You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include Hunter Biden's case is not talked about in the White House, Sweden has raised its terrorist alert to the highest level, and a sixth person has died in the PA house explosion. Here's your national news recap for the week of August 13th. A new report claims White House advisors and aides rarely discuss Hunter Biden's mounting legal troubles with the president. CNN reports Hunter Biden is not a topic of discussion in front of President Biden, even in discussions about his 2024 campaign. A special counsel was recently appointed in Hunter's criminal tax case after the president's son plea agreement with the Justice Department fell apart. Republicans are also accusing Biden of being involved in his son's foreign business dealings while serving as vice president, which he has adamantly denied. As the migrant crisis grows in New York City, Nassau County is not planning to help with the emergency shelters. With sites like the Nassau Coliseum floated as a migrant housing option, County Executive Bruce Blakeman reiterated Nassau County is not a sanctuary county and won't invite the immigrants and migrants into the county from the south of the border who are not here via proper channels. He added the county views this as a federal problem, not a local problem. Blakeman also noted the potential for crime, pointing out other areas throughout the U.S. and New York have all had crime issues as a result of not properly vetting people. The State Department is sending more documents on the U.S.'s withdrawal from Afghanistan to Congress. House Foreign Affairs Committee Chair Michael McCall said they came after a call with Secretary of State Antony Blinken. The Texas Republican said he appreciates Blinken's commitment to provide the documents and his promise to continue to produce them to the panel. This comes as House Republicans continue their investigation into the 2021 retreat from the country. The State Department says Secretary of State Antony Blinken spoke by phone with American Paul Whelan, who is currently imprisoned in Russia. Blinken heard directly from Whelan about his condition and assured him the U.S. is doing everything it can to secure his release. Blinken has also offered Russia a serious proposal for Whelan's release. The ex-Marine has been held in Russia on spying charges since 2018. Officials are also calling for the release of the Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich, who was arrested in Russia in March. A woman who mailed rice in to former President Trump in 2020 is being sentenced to 22 years in prison. Canadian Pascal Ferrier pleaded guilty in January to making the toxin in her home and laced it in threatening letters before mailing them to Trump and eight Texas law enforcement officials. The 55-year-old dual Canadian and French citizen faced a charge of prohibitions with respect to biological weapons in Washington, D.C. and Texas. In her letter to Trump, she calls for Trump to give up and withdraw from the 2020 presidential election. She then drove from Canada to the border in Buffalo, New York, where the Border Patrol agents found she had a loaded firearm and arrested her. The International Chess Federation is banning transgender women from participating in women's events. The new policy will go into effect August 21st, while the Federation does further analysis to issue a final decision on the matter. Transgender women will still be able to participate in events held under open categories. 
The U.S.-based National Center for Transgender Equality lashed out at the decision, saying it's so insulting to cis women and trans women and to the game itself. The policy change comes as athletic organizations address transgender athletes with World Aquatics recently creating an open category for swimmers of all sex and gender identities. Idaho won't be able to enforce its ban on transgender student-athletes in women's sports after a decision from a federal appeals court. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upheld a ruling that blocks the state's Fairness in Women's Sports Act, saying it's likely unconstitutional. The law was the first of many that banned transgender athletes from women's sports to be passed by Republican-led states. A lawyer with the ACLU called the decision an important victory for common sense, equality, and the rights of transgender youth under the law. The Christian legal organization Alliance Defending Freedom, who argued in favor of the law, said when our laws ignore biological reality and allow males to compete in women's sports, women are harmed and denied athletic opportunities. A Chicago community group is calling on gang members to cease fire from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. People in the Rogers Park area say they are living in the middle of a gang war and no amount of pleading for it to stop has helped. So now the group Native Sons is asking the gangs not to shoot during daylight hours and take the lives of innocent kids playing outside. The group says it would like for all the shooting to stop, but for now it can only take baby steps. Passengers aboard a Southwest Airlines flight that was going from Houston to the Mexican resort town of Cancun were in for a wild ride. Flames burst from a jet engine. The pilot made a U-turn and landed back in Houston's Hobby Airport safely. In a statement, the Texas-based carrier blamed a mechanical issue and said the plane has been taken out of service for review. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your National News. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. Our first two international stories are coming from Reuters. Sweden raised its terrorist alert to the second highest level on Thursday, saying it had thwarted attacks after Koran burnings and other acts against Islam's holiest text, outraged Muslims, and triggered threats from jihadists. Anti-Islam activists have damaged several copies of the Koran in recent months, in Sweden and also in Denmark two of the most liberal countries in the world that allow trenchant criticism of religion in the name of free speech. But many Muslims view desecrating the Quran, which they see as the literal word of God, as a grave offense. A media outlet linked to militant group Al-Qaeda has urged violent retribution. Sweden's SAPO security service raised the terrorist alert from 3 to 4 on a scale from 1 to 5, reflecting a high threat. The decision to raise the level is not prompted by a single event, but we know that Hezbollah, Al-Shabaab and Al-Qaeda have called on their supporters to carry out acts against Sweden, SAPO head Charlotte von Essen told a news conference. Prime Minister Ulf Kristersson told a news conference that people had been arrested in Sweden and abroad after planned attacks were detected and stopped. I understand that many Swedes feel worried, but we must live our lives as usual. We must stand up for our lives and our way of life, he added without giving details of the plots. The Swedish armed forces have also raised the alert level for threats against their operations, while Britain and the United States have warned nationals against going to Sweden. In Sweden's worst militant attack of recent times, an Uzbek immigrant who had pledged allegiance to the Islamic State militant group mowed down pedestrians on a busy Stockholm street with a truck in 2017, killing five people. The Quran burnings have drawn widespread condemnation from many parts of the Muslim world. Iranian Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei urged severe punishment for those responsible and said Sweden was in battle mode against the Muslim world. Our next international story takes us to Asia. A small private jet crashed into a motorbike and a car while attempting to land at an airport in the outskirts of Malaysian capital Kuala Lumpur, leaving at least 10 people dead, officials said on Thursday. 
a Beechcraft Model 390 aircraft, a light private business jet, was carrying six passengers and two crew when it crashed near Elmina Township at 2.08 p.m. local time, just before it was due to land, Selangor Police Chief Hussein Omar Khan told reporters. The aircraft lost contact with the air traffic control tower and crashed into a motorbike and a car on the highway, he said. There was no emergency call. The aircraft had been given clearance to land, Hussein Omar said. A search and rescue mission is underway. The country's Civil Aviation Authority, CAAM, said the flight had departed from the holiday island of Langkawi and was en route to Selangor's Sultan Abdul Aziz Shah Airport near capital city Kuala Lumpur. CAAM Chief Executive Narazman Mahmud said the aircraft first made contact with Subang Air Traffic Control Tower at 2.47 p.m. and landing clearance was given at 2.48 p.m. At 2.51 p.m., the Subang Air Traffic Control Tower observed smoke originating from the crash site, but no mayday call was made by the aircraft, he said in a statement. The CAAM said the flight was operated by Jet Valet, a Malaysian private jet services company. Jet Valet did not immediately respond for a request to comment by Reuters, but local media cited the company as saying it will cooperate with authorities on the investigation. Our final story comes from BBC. The world's longest rail tunnel has been shut to passenger services after a derailment in Switzerland caused damage that will take months to repair. Swiss authorities said there was no indication when the Gothard-based tunnel would reopen. Sixteen wagons derailed and are still stuck inside, a week after the incident on the 10th of August. Opened in 2016, the Gothard rail link took 20 years to build and cost more than $12 billion. Vincent Ducrow, chief executive for National Swiss Rail Operator SBB, said on Wednesday that Gothard was one of the safest tunnels in the world. The fact that an accident like this could happen has hit us very hard, he said. Fortunately, there were no injuries, though significant material damage was incurred. An investigation is being led by the Swiss Transportation Safety Investigation Board, STSB, and the Public Prosecutor's Office of the Canton of Ticino. SBB said in total that around 8 kilometers, or 4.9 miles of track, and 20,000 concrete sleepers needed to be replaced. The rail operator added that one side of the tunnel was unaffected and should be operating, in principle, for freight usage from the 23rd of August. But passenger trains would not be able to use the unaffected side due to safety reasons. The route cuts through the Alps and provides a high-speed link between northern and southern Europe. As well as transporting passengers, Gothard is a key passage for cargo, particularly between Germany and Italy. More than two-thirds of rail freight traffic in the Alps rolled through the tunnel last year. Journey times will now take at least 60 minutes longer, and passengers traveling internationally will need to change trains in Chiasso. Only trains traveling to and from Genoa and Venice will run directly, SBB said. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, and that was your international news report. I'm Riley Adams with your local news. From NBC10, the co-owner of a home that exploded in western Pennsylvania last weekend has died from injuries he suffered in the blast, which also killed his wife and four other people. Paul Ravitz, 56, who had severe burns over most of his body, died Wednesday in a Pittsburgh hospital four days after the explosion in Plum. The town is about 20 miles east of Pittsburgh. The cause of the blast, which destroyed three structures and damaged at least a dozen others, remains under investigation, but officials say Ravitz and his wife Heather were having issues with their hot water tank. The Allen County Fire Marshal's Office is leading the investigation along with local law enforcement. The explosion occurred shortly before 10.30 a.m. Saturday. Heather Ravitz, 51, who was Plum's community development director, was killed in the blast along with Plum Borough manager Michael Thomas, 57, and three others who lived in the neighborhood. Kevin Sabunia, 55, Casey Klontz, 38, and Klontz's 12-year-old son, Keegan. 
From Fox 29. Philadelphia crime moved from the streets to the water Wednesday night when police say a Brazen suspect took over a sailboat. The sailboat was docked at the Pier 5 Marina near Penn's Landing when it was stolen at gunpoint just after 7 p.m. A boat club was performing training exercises when police say a 31-year-old man, identified by police as Roger Bohar, jumped on board. He quickly drove off and rode down the Delaware River for about two miles before being stopped by the Coast Guard near the Walt Whitman Bridge. Police say Pohar claimed he worked for the federal agency and had a firearm. He was armed with a loaded semi-automatic handgun stolen from Philadelphia, according to authorities. He now faces several charges for stealing the boat and possessing a stolen gun. No injuries were reported. From 6ABC, planes, helicopters, and parachute teams delighted the crowds on the beaches of Atlantic City Wednesday. It marks the 20th anniversary of the Jersey Shore Air Show, which began in 2003. It's become a tradition for many families. Pilots with the New Jersey Air National Guard 177th Fighter Wing love the chance to show off the training they do all the time. Planes did loops and barrel rolls in the air, delighting the crowd. As always, the grand finale was the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds. The heart-pounding demonstration shows off the precision of the pilots and the power of the F-16s. Weather, specifically cloud cover, delayed the Thunderbirds by about two hours, pushing the show into the later afternoon. For local veterans in the crowd, they appreciate the show's salute to the military. The air show brings a big midweek crowd to Atlantic City, giving a boost to businesses around. Organizer says it takes about two years to plan the air show and have just started conversations with the Thunderbirds for 2025. From News 12, weeks before school starts, a public school in Patterson has been shut down over safety concerns after ceiling collapsed on July 28th. The Board of Education in Patterson has decided the public school number three on Main Street will be closed until further notice as the district plans to relocate students and staff for health and safety reasons. Over 300 students in Patterson are being relocated to schools nearby. Parents of public school number three students received a letter from the district on August 9th informing them about the situation. Built in 1899, the building is over 100 years old and, quote, will need abatement in order to become usable again, end quote. In a presentation at a Board of Education meeting Wednesday night, Neil Mapp, the Chief Officer of Facilities and Custodial Services, detailed the condition of the building and outlined a plan for relocating the students. There are 302 students enrolled at the school, serving grades K through 8, that will be broken up in cohorts. Mapp says that there were 55 students that were mistakenly enrolled in the school who will now be sent to their proper neighborhood schools. Regarding the repair plan, Superintendent Laurie Newell says that everything is on hold and that, quote, our biggest focus right now is to really put all of our energy in making sure that we take care of our youngsters, end quote. Brenda Ramos, the program director at the Patterson Education Fund, says, quote, all expense related to the cost of the issue should be borne by the state of New Jersey, end quote. From CBS 3, the family of Eddie Irizarry, the man fatally shot in Kensington earlier this week, is grieving his loss Wednesday night and demanding answers on how the situation escalated so quickly into a shooting death. Family and friends of Irizarry had a balloon release in the same spot where he was shot and killed by police along Willard Street. Justice is the word that kept coming up in conversations with family members. They want to see the body cam footage police say they've reviewed, and they want to know why the officer felt the need to use deadly force. The incident has made them question whether they can ever trust the police again. The family couldn't believe the original report, saying Irizarry was never in trouble with the law. On Monday, police said... Irizarry was outside the vehicle and lunged at officers with a knife. But now investigators say body cam footage shows Azari never left his car before an officer shot him. Families say Azari doesn't speak or understand English, likely leading to confusion during the stop. Police also say officers reported seeing two knives in the car before Azari was shot. Philadelphia Police Commissioner Daniel Outlaw says that after correcting the report, she knows how much pain this has caused and she assures the public this will be a fair and thorough investigation. I'm Riley Adams, and that was your local news. I'm Aiden Doherty with your Rowan News. The College of Performing Arts returns this fall with a riveting lineup of academic performances, celebrated guest artists, and engagements that recognize and honor a range of voices across time and culture. Together, the departments of music and theater and dance, guest artists and faculty, and the Mary Raider series will bring audiences more of what they love from the performing arts, while inspiring audiences to discover through new perspectives and interpretations. 
Here's what to look forward to. The main stage season. In celebration of the Rowan University's centennial, the College of Performing Arts is bringing a diverse cast of students, faculty, alumni, and more together for an epic collaboration between music, theater, and dance. The Mary Raider Presenting Series. The cultural celebration continues with the return of the Mary Raider Presenting Series, bringing an award-winning artist to South Jersey for transformative engagements. In September, Rising Tide, the Crossing Project pairs original music, stunning visuals, environmental photography, and scientific prowls to confront a planet under siege and a future in peril. The Department of Music. The Department of Music Student Ensemble's bands, choirs, orchestras, and opera company will present their fall concerts. The Wind Ensemble will host a guest conductor with a repertoire including a Spanish march and new music inspired by dinosaurs, while the concert choir will perform a gospel celebration. For a full list of performances and events, and to reserve tickets, visit cpa.rowan.edu slash boxoffice. Statewide News Magazine Insider in New Jersey has released its annual list of the state's top 100 policymakers, naming three Rowan University employees the 2023 tally. This year's list includes Mark Magyar, director of the Steve Sweeney Center for Public Policy within the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, Dr. G. Lee, an associate professor of electrical and computer engineering in the Henry M. Rowan College of Engineering, and Dr. Stephen M. Seinthal, Chair of the Department of Psychiatry at Rowan Virtua School of Osteopathic Medicine. Seinthal, Insider NJ noted, is also President of the NJ Association of Osteopathic Physicians and Surgeons and serves as a key New Jersey resource on the issue of mental health, especially in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Aiden Doherty, and that was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce along with the Rowan Radio News Team. I'm Aaron Hook, and this is your weekly sports news. Tampa Bay Rays all-star shortstop Wander Franco is being investigated in his home country of the Dominican Republic in relation to reports that he was allegedly having an intimate relationship with a 14-year-old girl after photos of the two surfaced on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. A 17-year-old girl has come forward and told her story with Franco as well, although she is no longer sharing any information or participating in the investigation. Franco is placed on the restricted list and will not play again this season for a Rays team that is currently locked into the top wildcard spot in the American League. Franco is a former number one overall prospect and is set to earn $2 million this season after he signed an 11-year, $182 million contract extension with the Rays in November of 2021. Now, his future in baseball is certainly murky. Philadelphia 76ers guard James Harden is currently up in arms about not being traded by the club as general manager Daryl Morey has not granted Harden's request for a long-term contract. Harden is entering his age 34 season and will earn $35.6 million this year as he exercised his player option in the final year of his contract. The reason many think Harden chose to return to Philadelphia rather than test the unrestricted free agent market is because of Maury promising that he would parlay the player option into a longer deal, but that has not since happened. The
The 10-time All-Star in Harden was traded from Brooklyn to Philly in September of last year as Ben Simmons headed to the Nets along with Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Harden called Maury a liar publicly at a basketball event he was hosting in China. The two have deep ties as Maury was the general manager in Houston with the Rockets where Harden spent eight-plus seasons and won two MVP awards. Harden reportedly has no plans to be in attendance when 76ers training camp begins in early October. The FIFA Women's World Cup will have its championship match take place on Sunday. Sydney, Australia's Accor Stadium will be the host venue for the match, which will see Spain take on England. Neither country has ever won nor appeared in a Women's World Cup final prior to this weekend. The United States had won the previous two World Cups in 2015 and 2019, in addition to winning the first ever Women's World Cup in 1991 and then capturing another eight years later in 1999. The U.S. was eliminated from this year's tournament after falling in the round of 16 to Sweden, 5-4 in penalty kicks. In lieu of the loss, head coach Vlatko Andonovsky stepped down from the position on Thursday afternoon and the United States will now have to launch a coaching search as they look ahead to the 2024 Olympics next summer in Paris. I've been Aaron Hook with your weekly sports news. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Wall Street is closing with stocks lower for the third straight day. It's a day after minutes from the Federal Reserve's July meeting hinted at more rate hikes coming in the near future. The Fed remains concerned about upside risk to inflation as the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield reached its highest point since October of last year. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell by 290 points to 34 to 474. The S&P 500 dropped 33 points to 43 to 70, and the Nasdaq lost 157 points to 13 to 316. Third-party sellers on Amazon who ship their own packages will soon have to pay an additional fee. Starting October 1st, members of Amazon's Seller Fulfilled Prime program will pay the company a 2% fee on each product sold if they don't pay for the company's fulfillment services. The online retail giant also charges sellers a referral fee between 8 to 15% on each sale. Sellers may also pay for warehouse storage, packaging and shipping, as well as advertising fees. At least two companies are suspending advertising on X, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, after their ads were run alongside pro-Nazi content. A report published Wednesday by nonprofit news watchdog Media Matters for America found that several mainstream brands have been advertised on the account that promotes fascism. Those brands included Adobe, Gilead Sciences, the University of Maryland's football team, and New York University Langen Hospital. X did not immediately comment on the report. Owner Elon Musk has said that the site has seen nearly a 50% drop in ad revenue since he bought the platform last year. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. I'm Al Lawton, and this is your Entertainment News. The family portrayed in the Oscar-winning film The Blind Side is responding to allegations made by former NFL player Michael Orr. 
on Monday or filed a petition in Tennessee claiming Sean and Leanne Tui never adopted him and instead tricked him into signing a document that made them his conservators. Sean Tui, who's played by Tim McGraw in the film, told the Daily Memphian that conservatorship was the only option for the family since Orr was already over the age of 18. He also says each family member, including Orr, received $14,000 as a part of the movie deal. Orr has asked the court to end the conservatorship and ban the family from using his name and likeness. A woman whose devotion to Taylor Swift touched hearts at a Tampa hospital has passed away. Tessa Wiseman died Sunday at the age of 28. She was admitted to Moffitt Cancer Center in April April a week before one of Taylor Swift's shows at Raymond James Stadium. Wiseman and her friends had tickets and Tessa told nurses it was her mission to be discharged from the hospital so she could attend the show. Nurses made it their mission too and Wiseman was able to attend. Tessa's mom told News Channel 8 she never saw such energy, hope, and commitment from a hospital staff and they wanted Tessa to go to that concert more than anything in the world. Negotiators for the Writers Guild of America and Hollywood Studios are still talking but it's unclear if their talks are leading anywhere meaningful. The W GA and Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers had another meeting on Tuesday. It comes on the heels of Friday's meeting, which was their first since the strike started on May 2nd. Variety magazine reports the WGA softened its stance on some demands, but the two sides are still far apart on several key issues. Barbie will be available to stream digitally in just a few weeks. For about $20, you can now pre-order the movie on Amazon. It's set to arrive on September 5th. Greta Gerwig's star-studded movie surged past expectations with a $155 million U.S. debut in July, the biggest opening weekend of 2023, and the best kickoff for a movie directed by a woman. It's now crossed more than $1 billion at the worldwide box office. Researchers say they've been able to reproduce a Pink Floyd song from the brainwaves of people who listen to it. Michael Kastner reports. Brainwaves were recorded from 29 epileptic patients back in 2012 and 2013 who listened to Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall, Part 1. Scientists use electrodes in the brains of patients to monitor activity and years later started feeding the data into a computer. Eventually, the algorithm got smart enough to use the data to reproduce a recording of the song they heard. Scientists hope it will help lead to advances in communicating with nonverbal patients. The results were published Tuesday in the journal PLOS Biology. I'm Michael Kastner. Both Selena Gomez and Miley Cyrus are preparing to release new music. Gomez announced via social media that her new song, Single Soon, will be released on Friday. Cyrus's new song, Used to Be Young, will be released along with a music video on Thursday. I'm Elle Lawton, and that was your entertainment news. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.